Well, good morning. Almost every weekend, I like to leave you with one main idea. It's the one thing that I hope that you walk away with after we've spent our time together. I call this my takeaway. And typically, I give you the takeaway within 10, second, or 10 minutes of my introduction. But today, I want to give you the takeaway right up front because I think it relates to what we're facing today as a nation. The takeaway this morning is this, that the wise will listen and learn. The wise will listen and learn. This past week, I have to admit that I was getting a little bit discouraged as I just looked at what was happening in our society today, and I was just, I was, I was angry about some things, I was saddened by some things. I looked at what other people were saying on, on different sides of the issues that we're facing, and I was getting a little discouraged by that as well because I realized that, that so many are not doing things according to what Jesus would say. And yet, I realized that what I'm gonna be talking about here today is something that I could do. It's something that all of us could do, and it would be a starting point of making a difference in our culture today. I think that we need to learn to listen just a little bit better. The wise will listen and learn. I think we especially need to learn to listen to those who we disagree with. We need to get a better handle of, of what their perspectives are. I think we need, to, we need to be ones who are wise and listen to those who are different than we are. I've only had the experiences I have had, and different ones have different experiences. People are different from one another. We could learn from one another. I think that we need to be listening to those who are suffering in unjust ways. What if we began to listen a lot more? In addition to that, I think that we need to listen to God. I've been wondering throughout this time exactly what God is trying to say to us as a nation. How is he trying to get our attention? What is he trying to say to us as a church? I wanted to mention that tomorrow night here at the church parking lot, we're gonna have an event called Park and Pray. And it starts at seven. We wanna encourage you to come out here to the church. And online, we're gonna provide for you a prayer guide. It's at the ridge.church slash park. It's just a prayer guide. And what we're asking you to do is come around seven o'clock and then use that prayer guide and park somewhere in the church parking lot and pray. Just pray for our nation. There are a lot of uh, verses on this prayer guide and other things to be guiding our prayers. You can pray for five minutes, you could pray for an hour if you'd like. But we wanna encourage you to join us because we need to be listening to one another, we also need to be listening to God. After I graduated from Bible college, I moved to Morgantown, West Virginia, and I enrolled at the university and began to take some business courses. But one of the courses I took while I was a student here was a psychology course. And the teacher began this course by talking about the meaning of life and, and various things related to our society and where evil comes from. These were the kinds of things we were talking about in this course. And at a certain point, the teacher said that she wanted to put an invitation out to the entire class that if anyone wanted extra credit, they could do a talk, a speech in the class. Well, as soon as the teacher said that, I thought in my mind that God probably wants me to do a talk. And I really didn't want to do it, but I felt like God was saying, you need to speak up about Jesus because Jesus is the answer to so many things, so many of the problems in our world today and in our lives as well. But I didn't want to do it, and so I argued with God, although I would say it was kind of a one-sided argument. 
And for a couple weeks, I wrestled with this question, should I do this talk or shouldn't I? And finally, I just felt like I had to do it. And so I went to the teacher and I said, I want to do a talk, but I want to tell you up front what I want to talk about. I said, my subject is this, how Jesus answers the questions that psychologists are asking. Now, I was hoping that the teacher would say, I don't want you to do this talk in class, and then I'd be off the hook. But she was actually quite excited about the idea. And so a couple weeks passed, and finally the day came where it was time for me to do this presentation. The teacher introduced me. She said, we have something special here today. A student has taken me up on the offer to do a, a speech in the class here today. And so she introduced me, and I came up, and I, I sat at the edge of her desk, and I began to talk. My introduction was to use a quote by Solomon from the book of Proverbs. I told the class that one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon, penned these words in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 18 and verse 13. He wrote, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. The one who gives an answer before he listens, it's foolish, it's a disgrace. The New Living Translation puts it this way, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I love the way that's worded. And as soon as I said that, I introduced what my subject was. I told the class I wanted to speak about how Jesus answers the questions that psychologists are, are raising. And the moment I said that, a student raised his hand and he blurted out, do I have to listen to this? And in unison, the class erupted with laughter. It was like he was the only one that did not hear what I just said. He was a guy that says, I want to spout out before listening. And everyone could see how foolish it was. And I was thankful that that happened because I think it kind of won the class over to the talk. And I spent the rest of the, my talk talking about the fact that the real problems in this world are related to how sin has come into this world and ruined everything. But how God loved us so much as to send his son to be the savior and through faith in Christ, we could have eternal life. Today, we're going to begin a new series titled YOLO. You only live once. It's a series that's based on what Solomon wrote about in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. I'm convinced that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived apart from Christ. That he had wisdom that God gave him that was supernatural. Solomon had become king of Israel at a young age. And at a certain point, he had a dream. And in this dream, God spoke to him and said, Solomon, what do you want me to give you? Ask for anything you want. And Solomon's response was, I'm a young man, and I'm in charge of this great kingdom that you have given to me, and so I want to ask you for wisdom. God was thrilled with the request. God said to Solomon, because you haven't asked for other things like a long life or for riches or that you might defeat your enemies, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. There'll be no one like you before you or after you. In addition to that, though, I'm going to give you these other things. You're going to have long life. You will be wealthy. You will have victory over your enemies. God loves it when we want wisdom. In James 1 and verse 5, we read these words, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. If you ask God, he loves to generously give us wisdom. The problem is many times we won't listen. 
Now, the book of Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. I don't think that Solomon originated them all, but he compiled them as a young man. And I think he was writing from the perspective of a father to a son. And so many times in the book of Proverbs, you'll read that he's addressing his son. For example, in Proverbs 1 and verse 8, he writes, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. Now, as you read the book of Proverbs, I suppose you could conclude that Solomon is being a little bit sexist here because he addresses so many things to his son or his sons, but recognize that this is the perspective of a king that wants to pass on a legacy to his kids who will eventually inherit the throne. And he wants them to understand the beauty of listening to the wisdom of other people is that it means that we don't have to go through the same things they did. I don't know if you're like I am, I suspect you are, but I have made a lot of mistakes because I learned things the hard way. Because I chose not to listen to someone else, but what if we could learn from the examples of other people or the wisdom of those who are wiser than we are instead of having to go through these things ourselves, I think we could avoid a lot of pain and suffering in our lives. You see, you only live once. And it's important that we live wisely and we live well and we can learn things the hard way or we can learn things the easy way by listening. Now, all summer long, we wanna be going through the book of Proverbs and we wanna be talking about what Solomon had to say about all kinds of subjects, what he had to say about our speech, what he had to say about anger, what he had to say about our relationships with other people and how that will impact our lives and and, and the value of hard work and a variety of subjects that we wanna be covering all summer long. But today is a little bit more of an introduction. I want us to walk away again with this takeaway. The wise will listen and learn. And I have to admit, I'm a little frustrated again by our culture because I realize that there's a culture these days where people don't want to listen. They get so upset they won't listen first. And again, I have to admit, sometimes that's me. Sometimes I'm the one that doesn't listen I'm the one that reacts when somebody begins to say something. Instead of listening to what they have to say, I jump right in there. I cut them off instead of listening. But there's real wisdom in learning to listen. Now, Solomon wrote this book so that we could listen and therefore be wise. He gives his purpose statement, if I could call it that, in Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 1, where we read, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for... And he's about to say what he wrote the book for. This is why he wrote it. And these are the things that this book offers us. He says he wrote this for learning what wisdom and discipline are. He wrote it for understanding insightful sayings. He wrote it for receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. He wrote it for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a wise man or young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. And then he wrote it also, he says, for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. In verse seven, he lays the foundation of the book. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The point is, don't be a fool. Don't be someone who despises understanding and wisdom, who despises knowledge, who despises discipline. 
You know, discipline comes on our lives when we sometimes get off track just a little bit and we can rebel against it or we can listen to it. He says, don't rebel this against this. But clearly, the issue here is our ability to listen and to learn. And oftentimes, we make foolish mistakes because we're unwilling to do that. Several years ago, I had a couple in my office that was having marital issues. These days, because of the size of the church, I don't do a lot of counseling, but back then I did a lot more of this. And, and, the, and this couple was close to getting a divorce, and the main reason that they were thinking of divorcing was because of finances. And many of you know that that's the number one leading cause of divorce in America is, is finances. They were going from paycheck to paycheck. There was a lot of stress on their marriage. They weren't sure how they were gonna make ends meet. And so I met with them and we talked about their situation, how to get a little bit of a handle on where their money was going and to begin setting up a plan. About three weeks after I talked with this couple, the wife called me and she said, I've decided to divorce my husband. And I said, why, what happened? And she said, because he came home this afternoon with a brand new truck. We weren't able to make expenses as it was, and he comes home with this expensive brand new truck. She said, I'm done. And when I heard that, I thought, how foolish. Why did you not listen to wisdom? Why did you not take the wise steps instead of doing something that was foolish? But again, I think we all do this at times. In Proverbs chapter one, wisdom is personified as being like a woman who is preaching to the world wisdom, wisdom sayings, wise things, and she's out there proclaiming wisdom to anyone who will listen to her. Let's look what she has to say or what it says here in verse 20 of Proverbs one. Wisdom calls out in the street she raises her voice. In the public square, she cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I'll pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out to you and you refused, I extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, then you will and will laugh at you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, then they will call me but I won't answer. They'll search for me but won't find me because you hate, they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all my correction, they'll eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the turning away of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them, but whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. I think the heart of this passage is this, that wisdom is available and it is plentiful, but we need to learn to listen. The wise will learn and listen. But let's explore these verses a little bit more carefully and see the message that wisdom is shouting out to you and to me. 
Beginning again in verse 20, we read, wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. Here, once again, we see wisdom as being personified as this woman that's speaking to everybody everywhere. She's, she's in the marketplaces. She's in the streets. She's at the city gates. City gates were places where business transactions took place. They're, they're where the officials would be, where justice was often served. We would expect that wisdom would be there in the city gates, but, but wisdom is everywhere. You just have to look with your eyes. Wisdom can be gleaned everywhere you go. For example, I find as I'm driving in the car, I look around at God's creation, and I realize what God is like. There's wisdom to even be heard in the silence of creation. And wisdom is crying out. The problem is people don't want to listen to it. Three types of people are mentioned in the next verses. Beginning in verse 22, wisdom asks this question, how long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? The word foolish here is a word that means to be naive or kind of simple. The point that's being asked here is when will you grow up? I know you're young, but how long will you love ignorance? When will you come to a point where you really want to understand? Then she asked the second question, how long will you mockers enjoy mocking? I found over the years that when people can't get past what you're saying, then they mock you. If they, if they can't deal with your argument, then they, they go on the attack of you. They begin to mock you because they think if I can't discredit the message, I could discredit the messenger. Question wisdom is asking is how long will we be content to mock? Why don't we stop and listen? And then the third group, she asks, and how long will you fools hate knowledge? The word fools here is a different word than the one that was used previously. This is a word that refers to people who are morally hardened in their ignorance, ones who have sold themselves to do things that are not good. They're ones that we would refer to, and I don't like to use the term, but these are ones that we would refer to as being idiots, someone who's an idiot. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said, don't call someone a fool. It's this kind of person because it implies not an ignorance only, but a, a moral dimension to their situation. And so she asks the question, how long will you fools hate knowledge? Wisdom wants to teach us. She continues saying in verse 23, if you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words if you respond to what I'm trying to say to you, you will learn, you will grow. Wisdom is indeed available. But then she goes on to say, but you didn't listen. I imagine this expresses Solomon's frustration with people that would not listen. Goes on to say in verse 24, since I called out and you refused, I extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my Correction, because you did these things. Then the outcome in verse 26, I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but not find me. It's like if we do not get a hold of wisdom beforehand, then when we need the wisdom, it will not be available. We will not be ones who have been trained to see and learn and understand. And so we'll cry out for wisdom, but it, 
It won't be there, it'll be too late. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel and rejected all of my correction. Because they did these things, here's the outcome. Verse 31, they will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. I think this is two ways of saying the exact same thing. They'll eat the fruit of their ways. In other words, they'll get what they deserve. But then second, it says they'll be glutted with their own schemes. In other words, they'll be filled up with their own foolishness. They'll find the wisdom is not available when they need it. Solomon continues, for the turning away of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. The truth is that what we don't know can hurt us. That's what he's saying. That we need to be ones who are searching for wisdom. What's the alternative? Well, verse 33, but whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. Whoever listens to me, you'll be secure. You'll be doing the right thing and you'll be free from the fear of danger. You will have taken the wise steps in order to avert the danger. In other words, the wise will listen and learn. There are lots of good things associated with listening and being wise. In Proverbs 3, 16 through 18, a few of them are listed. Solomon writes, long life is in her hand, her right hand, wisdom's hand is long life. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her and those who hold on to her are happy. These are the things I want in life. I think they're the things everybody wants in life. Long life is in her hand. Riches and honor are in her hand. She is, has ways that are pleasant and they lead to peaceful. The tree of life is for those who embrace her. There's just, it's just life-giving, wisdom is life-giving and those who hold on to her will be happy. So what should we do with this? I'm hoping that just in talking about this, that we begin to have a different mindset toward those, especially with whom we disagree or those that are different than we are, and that we begin to also listen to maybe what God wants to be saying to us. We need to become better listeners. And I wanna start with myself. I wanna be someone who listens well, listens to the perspectives of other people. Together, maybe we can grow in our understanding and we can make progress. But I'd like to close with four general questions by way of application, just to ask yourself these four questions. First one is this, how well do you listen? Maybe take some time to reflect on that question. Another way to word this might be, uh, what does your spouse have to say about how well you listen? I think sometimes other people are a better um, source for us to determine whether or not we're ones who listen well. I have to admit sometimes I don't listen well, I don't listen to instruction. I don't listen to what people are suggesting I do even though it's wise. And sometimes maybe I don't even listen to the discipline I experience because I do the wrong thing. How well do you listen? Second question, how open are you to learning? Especially those who are different, to really understand, to get in their place, to seek to understand before you care whether they understand you. 
Again, I think we would grow in our understanding, might come up with some tremendous solutions. Third, do you have wise people in your life from whom you can learn? Again, Solomon talks about the wisdom of, of being with wise people, ones that will help us, steer us in the right direction. With the wise, there is wisdom, but the companion of fools, Solomon wrote, suffers harm. Do you have people in your life that will give you wisdom, people to whom you can go, you can get counsel, you can get advice? We all need people like that in our lives. And then finally, how well do you listen to God and look to him for wisdom? God's word speaks about so many things, and I'm gonna be saying this, I think, until I, when I'm done. But I'm convinced that what God has to say about things is right. And what is taught in the pages of the Bible is true and it is the right way to view things. It's the right perspective. But as a nation, I think we're turning away from what God says is good and right. And I think we need to start listening. Listening to what God is maybe doing in and through our nation now, but also listening to what he has to say through the pages of the Bible that we wanna be ones who are really living out the teachings of Jesus and what is taught through the other epistles and letters in the Bible. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for the wisdom that you've given through your word. It is really life-giving. It's a light to our path. And Lord, we do acknowledge that we just grieve over what's happening in our, our country. We grieve over the injustice and, and we grieve over so many, even groups of people that are being hurt in so many ways. And, and we could really be frustrated not knowing what to do, but we look to you for wisdom. We wanna to listen to you, but we wanna to listen to others well. We wanna be ones who are good listeners. And we ask you, Lord, for grace as we move forward. Help us to be ones who are wise. We pray this in, in Jesus' name, amen.